Welcome everybody to the uh, third episode of 940 Sports Talk. I'm your host, A.B., and joining me is my co-host, Alexander Wood. And um, don't forget to follow us on Facebook at 940sports-talk. And then on Twitter at 940sports-talk. And then on Instagram at 940sports-talk. So our first topic of the day is going to be discussing the games this weekend throughout Texas. And the first game we have is UNT versus UATSA. What do you think about this game, Alex? I mean, this definitely needs to be a rebound game for UNT. They're 1-2 and two right now, and we need a demanding win. Yeah. I mean, it's just bottom line. Coming off a devastating two losses to a SMU team that was actually pretty good and a Cal team, um, we I think we hung we hung in there for most of the game, but I guess their their offense just yes. ran over us. Yeah. I mean, we, we, we need to fix some things in the, in the defense. They need to be contributing a bit more, and... I mean, definitely, this needs to be a defining win for UNT to get their season going somewhere. Yeah, I mean, well, they looked strong in their first game, but, yeah. of course, that was just a warm-up game. And now yeah. now you're getting into conference play and these more difficult games. You know, if they don't win this game against UTSA, I really don't know. I, I don't know if I can say that they're going to win another game this season. Yeah, I mean, going off 1-3 and three after after these this week, if they do lose, I mean, it would just be devastating to the morale, their confidence. I mean, it would just be like... Okay. I mean, especially to a UTSA team. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I mean, for real. On the next, we have Texas Tech, which, I mean, they do have a bye week this week, but uh, we do have some news to talk about. Alan Bowman in their last game did get injured. Yes, he will be out for six to eight weeks, um, I believe, with like a shoulder injury. Um, that was a good game against Arizona. I watched all of it, you know. And at halftime, it seemed like, you know, everything was fine. They Tech just needed to fix their offense. And. After halftime, it looked good, but I mean, I guess um, Tate, uh, Khalil Tate, and his offense just ran over our defense. Yeah, I mean, honestly, it was just really Khalil Tate. I mean, when he took, I saw that one run he oh, took yeah, off. Oh yeah, he had an 84-yard yeah, touchdown, and uh, he just burned every Texas Tech player. They just weren't fast enough. And then, I mean, definitely, probably the game got thrown off because Alan Bowman did get injured in game, even yeah. though he did play through through the through it through the game. It definitely probably did, still did uh, like interfere with his passes and everything. Yeah, I mean, and I'm wondering what Texas Tech is going to do because now you have to think about putting in a senior transfer from Bryce or a quarterback that's already been on your team, Jet Duffy. So I'm, I'm just wondering what they're going to do and how they're just going to look and practice next week uh, looking forward to Oklahoma game next yeah. Saturday. I mean, it's weird because they're going to have to have a, a quarterback battle almost midseason. Yeah, I mean it's just, and, and it's not one that I mean, they, they thought they'd have to do. I mean, it's crazy to think about Bowman last year got injured twice, and he had to sit out the season. And now coming back, only three games into the season, and he's already injured again. Yeah, so I, I mean, mean, it's devastating. But if if Tech can get their quarterback situation figured out, maybe they can have a chance against OU. You know, I hope it's just not a blowout. Cause yeah, I mean, I just I feel like it'll it's gonna take like two weeks at least to solidify who their quarterback is. And yeah. I'm just hoping Oklahoma, I mean, Oklahoma doesn't just run over them because their defense is really good this year. Yeah, Tech's, Tech's defense really showed up at that Arizona yeah, game. Yeah, and they were talking about how it's the, one of the best ones they've had in a while. Yeah. So if, if their defense can really step up in the OU game and relieve some of that air raid pressure on their new starting QB, whoever it may be, then, I mean, I think it'll be an interesting game. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Um, anyways, next we have number 12, Texas versus Oklahoma State entering Big 12 conference play. I personally have Oklahoma State with the upset on Texas. Um, Texas looked good against Rice. You know, nothing too new. But it was Rice, you know. But like we said, we're entering conf- conference play. Get to see what this Oklahoma State offense is going to do against this Texas defense. You know, but also get to see how Sam Ellinger is going to handle yeah. Big 12 teams, you know. Yeah, so. I mean, once you get into conference play, there's definitely a, a more, like, more pressure, more aggression in the games. You know, they're they're meaning a much more than the non-conference games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, we'll have to see how both the teams kind of flow into that. Yeah, and um, I'm pretty sure you have Texas in this one. Oh, yes, definitely. Yeah. I, I've seen a few Oklahoma State games, especially the first one, and they have the new yeah, quarterback. against Oregon State. Yeah, uh, they have the new quarterback in, and he's kind of a mix between a dual-threat quarterback, but he just... In my opinion, he doesn't set his feet fully before making the pass, so they're mm-hmm. they're not always as accurate. But I mean, their defense is still their defense is still good. So I mean, I, I think it'll be a, a good good fought battle. O- Oklahoma State, I mean, they could be in the rankings. So I mean, I think it, it'll be it'll be a good one. Okay. And then after that, we have Houston versus Tulane. 
Um, Houston, I believe, coming off a loss from Washington State, I believe, if I, if I get that correctly. Um, Houston, next weekend, um, after this Saturday, was going to play UNT. You know, we were talking about this just a, a little earlier about uh, records and stuff. And if Houston wins this game and UNT wins their game, both teams will be heading into a 2-2 two and two matchup. Yeah, uh, yeah two and 2 matchup. So I'm wondering how that's going to affect each team's mentality. You know, yeah, I mean, I definitely feel if they both go into the game two and two, they'll feel like there's more to play for. Yeah, yeah. Than if you know UNT goes in two and two, and then Houston goes in one and three. And let me remind you, yeah, Houston is playing a two and one Tulane. So yeah. Houston one and two, Tulane one two and one. So you're, you know, Houston's definitely playing to get that another win on their record. Yeah. But you know, we'll see how it goes down. You know, I haven't, I don't know Tulane much. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I feel like if they do go three and one in this season, it'll probably be one of their best starts in a while. Yeah. So they they definitely probably have like that hunger to you know get that third win instead of going two and two even it out. Yeah, no then problem. Then Houston's trying to you know dig out of that hole they've kind of dug early. Yeah, in the season. and that's most of these these teams already you know losing to not really big schools, but they're already digging their hole deep and deep, and now they're just trying to climb back out. Yep. Yep. And then after that, we have 25, 25th ranked TCU versus SMU. I think I'm looking very forward to this yeah. game. You know, a 25 TCU team starting off good, but you also have this really strong SMU team yeah, who's mean, also undefeated. I think this will be a good one because Bouchel, I mean, I think this will be his coming out game yeah. to really prove to everybody what, why he should have been the starter at you Texas. Know, think, you know, think about it. You know, Shane Bouchel transferred first year at SMU. He's already 3-0. Yeah, you I know, mean, he, like, he's blowing some opponents out. Yeah, he's blowing some opponents out. Like, just see what he did at UNT 49-27, you know? You know, this is going to be a, a really good game, and I would look forward to watching this one. Yeah. I pick SMU with the upset. Yeah, I mean, I, I would, I, I'd pick SMU with the upset behind uh, Bouchelle's arm, to be honest. But, I mean, TCU will put up a good fight because, I mean, I know their their offense is very high-powered. And when yeah. they want to put up points, they will move down the field with ease. Yeah, and that's the thing about TCU. They can just – if you don't have a good defense, you're done. Like, yeah. TCU's offense can run over you. Yeah. But, I mean, this is just going to be a good game. You know, TCU not really entering conference play yet. But this is definitely a game oh, yeah. I mean, to, to keep and watch. I feel like it kind of feels like a conference game to think. Yeah. It's, it's still two Texas teams that are one of the two of the closest colleges, to be honest. Yeah, they're really Texas. close together. You know, not that much, not that far of a drive. You know, so it's gonna. That's definitely a good game this weekend. Now keep your eyes on that yeah. one. After that, we have uh, Baylor versus Rice. I mean, I don't you know, know too much about either team. They're you know, both Baylor's kind of dropped out. Yeah. Since. You know, but then again, you know, Rice coming off that loss of Texas, maybe yeah. that'll be a little bit more motivation, yeah. you know, because you don't want to lose to two big 12 teams in a row. You know, yeah. that's just kind of embarrassing. Yeah. But, I mean, we'll see how Rice does. Maybe they can hold a game against Baylor, or I mean, Baylor can just run over them. Yeah. I mean, if Baylor doesn't come out ready or comes out thinking that they're going to blow out Rice with ease, Rice may be able to take the upper hand really early in the game and just not let uh, Baylor claw Dre out of there. Yeah. You know, that's going to be a, another just small game to watch. Uh, then we have number 17, Texas A&M, uh, against number 8, Auburn. This is not necessarily a college game day game, but it is, you know, one of those really anticipated ranked games. Oh, yeah. I mean, it definitely could fall in, into college game day, to be honest. I mean, Texas Tech and Auburn both have a lot to play for on this one. Yeah, A&M, you know, they've lost to Clemson. Um, I don't know who they played last week. I'm trying to remember. I don't remember. I'm not too sure. But, you know, Texas A&M trying to get back up in the rankings, playing a number eight Auburn team. You know, what do you think that's, What do you think is going to happen if Texas A&M does get this win over Auburn? I mean, if, if Texas A&M does get this win over Auburn, which is a really good team right now, and they're, they're riding the wave, I would I would put Texas A&M, depending on how the other teams do, probably, as we talked earlier, probably around like 12, maybe, maybe 13. Yeah. And then if Auburn loses this game against A&M, where do you think that's going to put Auburn? I think, honestly, they may drop down to, like, 13th uh, or 14th because, I mean, they're kind of – everyone's expecting them to do good with their freshman quarterback and expecting him to be perfect. And especially with these eight SEC teams, I mean, it's just expected that they win every game. And then when they do lose a game if it's, and the team isn't Alabama or another Power 5 top team, then, I mean – I do think Auburn will drop considerably just because of how the AP polls go. Okay, so I got I got Auburn 
and the win over A&M. No, How about you? I'll, I'll, I'm going to go with Auburn on You're that gonna one, go with too. Auburn. I believe in their freshman quarterback. He's looking really good. All right, so that's going to be a good game to watch, you know, um, two SEC teams. It's going to be a great game. Yeah. Uh, anyways, heading over to college game day this week, we got number three Georgia versus number seven Notre Dame. I have no, number three Georgia in this game. What about you? I'd have number three Georgia. I mean, Notre Dame being independent, they haven't really played a team yet. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know much about them, to be honest, this year, but I mean, they're just, it's always just guess with them. Mm-hmm. But this, if they do beat Georgia, it'll be crazy. And they will, like, that'll be their proving stamp to be like, we deserve to be in the playoffs. Honestly, if they beat number three Georgia, expect to see Notre Dame in the top five next oh, yeah. week in the poll. Yeah, you know, but then again, you have you have a really strong Georgia offense. Yeah, Jake Fromm is still playing exactly like he did last year, which is near perfect. And then they still have a, a great running back core that's like too deep. So I mean, they definitely can ground and pound the ball, but then also Jake Fromm can throw a deep ball when you least expect it. So yeah. Notre Dame's defense will have to keep vigilant the entire game. You know, I don't know much about Notre Dame's offense. You know, but I've I've seen a couple of clips from their offense, and they seem like they're a decent team. So, I mean, I'm not really a fan of college game day this week, you know. I mean, it's better than Iowa-Iowa State Yeah, it's better than that. You know, Iowa won 18-17, to 17, so it really wasn't a game, yeah. you know. But this, I just hope it's not a blowout, you know, like we said. Um, yeah, I'm hoping, I'm hoping Notre Dame isn't getting, you know, overhyped in the rankings and then and being placed at seventh for no reason i'm hoping yeah. that there's a real true reason that they're number seven and that they can put up a tough fight against georgia yeah I'm, yeah i hope it's going to be a good game you know georgia's a really strong team but if notre dame can just hold on with them uh it'll be a good game to watch and then after that uh we're going to move on to mason fine stats uh compare it from smu to the cal game uh so looking at his stats last week against cal he kind of did okay, I guess. A little bit better than he did at SMU. He had a little bit more yards. Um, his passing, his completion slash attempt ratio uh, was a little worse, but his touchdown to interception ratio was better than it was last game against SMU. Yeah, I just what frightens me is that completion percentage. I mean, fifty-two point five. I mean, he's he's one pass off of only completing fifty percent of his passes. Which yeah. I mean, for for a quarterback, you expect to be like your your starting quarterback that leads you through the season, that led you to a, a conference championship last year. Yeah. I mean, I would expect higher than fifty fifty-two. Yeah. I mean, I mean, to think about it, you know, like his first three years on the team, you know, he's done a lot of good things. First game of the of a senior season, he just completely runs over Abilene Christian. Yeah. But like now it's just like we're seeing a sophomore quarterback who yeah. doesn't know what he's doing. Yeah, I mean he I mean twenty one from forty, I mean it just kinda looks like he's not really looking through his progressions and making the right reads right now. And he's thrown an interception in every single game so far. I know, you know, it's kinda weird because you have all these really other strong quarterbacks that are based like barely freshmen and sophomores who haven't thrown an interception at all. Yeah. And you have a senior quarterback who's already thrown four interceptions yeah. just in three games. Yeah, and he's been the starter most of the time, so he knows the wide receivers, he yeah. knows the plays. I mean, he knows everything, but he's just not making the right reads in these. Yeah, I think what they need to do coming into this this game against UTSA is they just need to fix their offense. Mason Fine just needs to look better, use his vision, don't make any dumb passes. Yeah, you know. I, th- I think they need to slow their offense down and kind of, you know, go to that nickel and dime, you know, toss it five yards, see if he can get the yards after catch. Just, you know, build Mason Fine's confidence so his his completions are better and he, he doesn't have to make a, a crazy throw like 50 yards and possibly intercept Yeah, it. I feel like these deep passes, you know, they feel like they have to throw those yeah. deep passes. Like it's a, That's maybe, the norm in college. Yeah, like maybe it's a third and four and, you know, you have two wideouts that are running post slants, you know, and you have to throw it deep, like 20 yeah. yards, but, but really... The, the running back is running a swing around. He's, he could easily get that three Yeah, yeah, yards. yeah. I know. And then, like you said, that's just like college. You know, they think that they're obligated to throw a 20-yard pass yeah. every play. And that's yeah. not how, it, you know, if you can just do basic five-yard pickups, you no, know... Just, just play like the Patriots. Yeah, just, yeah, just yeah. Just five keep, yards here, just five keep yards moving. There. Just yeah. keep moving the ball, you know. As long as it's forward, it's good. <laughs> yeah. All right. And um, we're going to go ahead and get into the playoff teams. Um... Nothing's really changed, of course. Um, yeah, I mean, we'll really have to wait uh, for the next few weeks once you know conference play really kicks off. Yeah, the teams. only team I'm going to add to this list that we already have is Auburn. Because, you know, like we said, they're playing this number 17 A&M. 
uh, if they win, they this could very well solidify them into the playoffs. I mean, I definitely could see that because um, A&M was higher in the rankings before they had their loss to Clemson, which was kind yeah. of understandable. Yeah. So if Auburn comes out and has a demanding win against them, I think definitely they could push into probably maybe sixth, maybe push fifth to fight for that playoff spot. Um, we'll just have to see once the, like Clemson, Auburn, Georgia, once they start playing conference, then yeah. it'll start mixing up. And another thing is that if Auburn gets this win against A&M and Georgia loses to Notre Dame, you know, that's that's a big jump that you can get, you know. But then the question is, would you put Notre Dame in the playoffs or would you put Auburn in the playoffs? I would honestly put Auburn rather than a Notre Dame team. Because Auburn, Auburn, you know Auburn, you know yeah. the quarterback, you know how they've yeah. been playing. You know, I would not put a seven Notre Dame team in the playoffs right now. Yeah. I would switch them for Auburn any day. Oh, yeah, I, I would agree with you because, I mean, Auburn's had more solidified wins. They started it off with a, a game-winning touchdown against Oregon. They're, they're about to play yeah. Texas A&M, so they have more credible wins yeah. than Notre Dame has. It, I mean, but a huge win would be for Notre Dame you know, if and, they beat Georgia. And like you said, thinking about it, um, Notre Dame's an independent, so they get to choose the teams yeah. they play. So just me, if I was an ESPN reporter or an AP poll person, I would just think about if Auburn wins this game and Georgia loses, I would really think about putting Auburn higher than Notre Dame just because of how they've played. And, you know, just their history. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And then after that, we'll move on to the the Heisman Watch, which we've added quite a few players. Yeah, we're going to go ahead and just get off with the top ten right now uh, directly from ESPN. So we're just going to start from the bottom and go up. So uh, we're going to start with Justin Herbert. He's a a quarterback at Oregon. Uh, For the season right now, he has 868 yards, 11 touchdowns, no interceptions, 73.3 completion rate. So what do you think? I mean, he's definitely proving himself now after that loss to Auburn, you know, trying to leave that in the past, just get the, the steam running. I mean, 73.3% completion. That That's really good for a quarterback in college football, especially as you were saying that they feel like it's mandatory every drive, every, yeah. every 10, four plays, they have to throw it 20, 30 yards. Yeah. And then, I mean, 868 yards with 11 touchdowns, uh, like you said, no picks. I mm-hmm. mean, that that's a good conversion rate right there. Yeah, and you it's know. definitely moving that offense. You know, and comparing him to, like, Mason Fine, you know, he already has four interceptions. But look at this quarterback right here who's almost breaking 1,000 yards and has no interceptions. You know, that's, I mean, yeah, I mean, he's thrown 11 touchdowns. That's, that's quite a bit for this. And just like, to remind you, three. these stats are for just this season. Yeah. So... And then after that, they have a DeAndre Swift, the running back from Georgia. He's had uh, 290 yards and two touchdowns, and then three receptions for a total of 73 yards. I mean, he's he's looking. If he catches the ball uh, the ball a bit more, I mean, three receptions for 73 yards. He's picking up a decent chunk of yardage every time he catches the ball. Oh yeah, you know, and uh, he has a good a good game this week against Notre Dame. You know, that could very well boost his Heisman oh, yeah. status, especially if. Georgia runs over Notre Dame. Yeah, I mean, if he's if he's the dominating factor that leads the kind of takes charge in the Georgia defense and the Georgia offense, then I I think he'll shoot up in the rankings for Heisman. Yeah, yeah, no problem with that. Um, and then next we're going to go on to Chuba Hubbard, who's a running back at Oklahoma State. He has 521 yards and seven touchdowns. So, and um, this is another person you might want to watch because of course they have a game this week against Texas. So you know, even if he just gets. 60, 70 yards, you know, it's still a good still addition. Good, especially against a 12th-ranked team, got a good yeah. defense in there. Yeah. I mean, he's definitely relieving some of that, a lot of the pressure off the, the new quarterback they have after Randolph, Rudolph left. Yeah. Um, if he if he does have a good game against Texas, and I had to say it, but if they do pull off the win against Texas and it's all because of him, then I think, I mean, their team will shoot up in the rankings and then also his name will be... Oh, who is this Chubba Hubbard, Hubbard guy? Yeah. Who is he from Oklahoma State? And thinking State? about this, you know, Chubba Hubbard is underneath Sam Ellinger, who is the next candidate. Um, so if Chubba Hubbard and his team win, that could very well just bring Sam Ellinger down and put his name up. Yeah, so. definitely. I mean, this will be a good matchup against these two players because, as you say, I mean, they're right in the Heisman watch one after another. And, I mean, Sam Ellinger's stats, I mean, again – He's had 11 touchdowns, 
zero interceptions. I mean, he, he's doing good. He's completing the pass that he needs. He, I mean, 80, 82 attempts or 112 attempts to 82 completions. I mean, he's right there at that 73.2%. So, I mean, these quarterbacks that are really at higher powered teams and that are actually performing this season, if you compare him to Mason Fine stats, I mean, he's really blowing, he's blowing them away. Yeah. You know, and yeah, Mason Fine is a quarterback and not really a big school and a big conference. Yeah. But still, I mean, if you have all these quarterbacks who play way tougher teams, yeah. you know, that have to throw the ball in tighter spaces, you should be able to complete a five-yard pass yeah. to your right receiver against the Cal team. Definitely, you definitely. Know? And it's just it's kind of embarrassing, honestly. When I, if, if I was Mason Fine seeing all these quarterbacks doing good things against, you know, bigger schools, you're like, well, I'm just playing a Cal team. I should be able to throw a ball yeah. 10 yards. I mean, especially, uh, I mean, Texas, they, they play some teams that have some good defenses. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, it's hard to, it's hard, especially LSU, they have yeah, the you know, greatest for, you defenses know, ever For example, year. like that game, LSU and Texas, you know, Sam Ellinger could have thrown three interceptions if the LSU defense was on him. But he has great vision. He can yeah. see when to throw the ball. He knows when to run it. He yeah, knows he knows when, when to tuck and run. It. Yeah, so... You know, if I was just if I was Mason Fine, I would just honestly get his crap together. Yeah, I very think, soon. I think he needs to watch a lot of film, yeah. to be honest, and just kind of see the the field from a, a bigger view than just in his helmet. You know, and we're not him. You know, so we, yeah, we don't know what he sees on the field. But definitely, just you know, as fans and as um, local people, he he just definitely needs to work on everything in order yeah. to get his team back up where they should be. Definitely. And then after that, I mean, we have Mr. Perfect, Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> yeah, Trevor Lawrence. I mean, there's just not much to say about him. I mean, honestly, I'm pretty surprised. I mean, he's only got a one-to-one ratio with touchdowns and interceptions. He's thrown five interceptions this year. Yeah. That's quite a bit if you compare him to all the other schools. Yeah. I mean, I mean he still has 831 yards, so it's a little bit less than Herbert um, from Oregon. But, I mean, like you said, you know, Nobody's going to really take him out of the Heisman just because of what he did last year, last year with yes, Clemson. definitely. You know? I mean, I, I feel like Clemson's thrown probably 50-yard bombs like every other play. So oh, yeah. that's probably why his, uh, his completion rating only 60.8%, and he's thrown you know some more 50-50 balls. So it is his touchdown to interceptions, 50-50. Yeah, you know, and maybe it's just because the reason he has all these yards is probably because, you know, they're playing these smaller schools. So he's just like, oh, well, they don't have a good cornerback, so I'm just going to throw 50 yeah. yards. And I mean, even then, I mean, he could throw a 10-yard pass, and then the wide receiver goes off, scores a touchdown, makes it 58. Oh, yeah, so, I mean, no, no doubt about that. Even, even at that, I mean, they can just throw nickel and diamond and expect him to go far. Um, but, I mean, those aren't great stats, to be honest, uh, looking into it, uh, going into conference play. I mean, he definitely has some more to prove. Get that, get that ratio up oh, a bit yeah. better. I mean, and just like let's let's um, think about Sam Ellinger right underneath Trevor Lawrence. Ellinger wins against an Oklahoma State team. Um, that's he, I and, feel. And I, if he throws no interceptions, yeah. In that and game, if he throws no interceptions in that game, that'll definitely I think put him above Trevor Lawrence yeah. just because Trevor Lawrence has that one to one ratio. Yeah. But Sam Ellinger has no interceptions right now on the season. Yeah, and a, I mean thirteen percent more uh, completion rating i yeah. mean it's just kind of at some point you kind of need to look at the players themselves and not the teams they're from oh yeah and i think that definitely goes into like the heisman because you're probably wondering like for example like mayfield and um with kyler murray you know they're like oh they're from ou they can do this so we're gonna pick them yeah but like there's all these other people like chubba hubbard and deandre swift and justin herbert who are doing bigger things at you know not necessarily those big of schools but you know they should be considered too. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the, the the players from smaller schools uh, should be way considered way before the players at these these top five teams every year because I mean, yeah, they're good players at those teams, but they have so much talent at their disposal. Oh yeah. Whereas these team, the I mean, Chuba Hubbard, he plays for Oklahoma State. There's not many too many weapons, and I doubt they have the greatest offensive line. So for him to put up numbers like that, it's a lot harder. Oh, yeah. is for teams at Georgia and Clemson to do. Yeah, and I think it's much harder as a running back because, you know, you have to have the O-line. You have to have them open up a hole for you in order to get past. Yeah. And depending on how tough the defense is that you're that you're playing against can determine how many yards you have. But just, you know, he already has 500-plus yards, seven touchdowns, and we're yeah. only three games into the season. Definitely. So what he's doing at Oklahoma State is probably way more than Trevor Lawrence has done this season just with Clemson. Yeah. I mean, uh, if Trevor Lawrence keeps going this this uh, 
this trend throughout conference play, I mean, I think his name will start to slowly drop out of the, the rankings, even if his teams continue to win, because it's just like you expect more from him. Oh, yeah. You know, you know, they get the benefit of the doubt for now, but then as the season progresses, it's like, okay, why haven't you stepped up here and here and there? Yeah. And then after that, uh, we'll move on to a running back, uh, Jonathan Taylor from Wisconsin. He's got 237 yards, five touchdowns, and then five receptions for 65 yards and three touchdowns from those. I mean, he, he's one that definitely is, like I said, he has to do a lot more with his team. You know, yeah. no, they all at Wisconsin, I mean, they have a good offensive line year in, year out, but, you know, they don't have the greatest quarterback. They don't have the greatest wide receivers. So, I mean, a lot of the pressure is put on Jonathan Taylor. Yeah. Expecting him to do good. You know, and another thing about his yardage and his, like, his pass rate is just how his quarterback plays. Because a lot of running back stats just come from how many times you get handed the ball. Yeah. You know, because a quarterback can just, you know, be like, oh, well, you're not going to get the ball today, so I'm just going to keep passing it. Yeah. So they have to rely on receptions and those touchdowns. But if you actually hand the ball off to Wisconsin, I mean, to Jonathan Taylor, he can actually show what he can do. Definitely. You know? I mean, he's one person that I believe should really be considered for the Heisman this year just because his name's been in the in the ballot the past, like, three years. And he consistently proves to everyone that he is that running back. And he's doing it at Wisconsin. Yeah. He's not doing it at Clemson. He's not doing it at Alabama where yeah. everybody around you yeah, is and, a five-star player. And, you know, that's just how ESPN is, and that's just how all these reporters are. They just take the top teams and only look at them. Yeah. They, they never were, look yeah. at these, you know, these, you know, these still big, but not really looked at Big Ten schools, you know? I mean, in all honesty, they really just look at who's the most publicized player. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's not who's the best in a, best college football player on – in the war, in and you know America, it's who's the most publicized, who's in the media the most, and which team is the best. You know, and that's just how like two Tagovailoa is like. Yeah. You know, put him in ESPN ads, put him in this, put him in that. You know, but let's not put a running back who has way better stats yeah. than him and has been in the Heisman watch the past three years. I yeah, mean, except for his freshman year, I'm pretty sure he's been in the Heisman watch. Yeah. So I mean, at some point, he needs to get the credibility he deserves. Yeah. You know, and I just think I think that's how all quarterbacks and our running backs are yeah. that are at you know not big of schools, but they still have that those yardages and all that crap. You know, they still need to be recognized for what they've done at the school that yeah. they've attended. Yeah, and I think it's kind of just like the the atmosphere of college football. I feel like the the AP people don't want to give it to running back. They uh, oh, they're yeah. like, why? How can we give it to the running back when we're in the era of quarterbacks throwing oh, yeah. bombs? Yeah, we're in, the, we're in the air raid era. I mean, they're just like kind of shove the running backs to the side, even though they're putting up crazy stats against teams that are have some good defenses. I mean, they just, they're just they expecting to give it to a quarterback. They want to give it to a quarterback. Yeah, and I mean, uh, an example I'm going to use, you know, talking you're talking about publicity, and, you know, that's what they look at. You know, Baker Mayfield, for example, he when he won the Heisman, he got arrested. Yeah. You know, and I, I honestly think that that should have hurt his Heisman status. And his NFL status. Yeah, I mean, it was. You didn't really hear about it till I didn't hear about it till after he was drafted. Oh yeah. And until I saw the video, I mean, it it was kind of just brushed under the the rug, just kind of like, oh well, he he's gonna be our guy. He's gonna be in TV ads and everything. We don't want the public to know if this happened. Yeah. It's just, I mean, it's definitely just which player from college football could make the most revenue if they won the Heisman. Yeah. It's not really about who's the best college football in America, college football player in America nowadays. Yeah. And then after that, uh, we'll move up to Justin Fields, quarterback, Ohio State. I mean, most of these are just running backs or quarterbacks. That's basically it. Yeah, it's been a while since I've seen, like, a wide receiver in there. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I mean, it'd be crazy if a defensive player popped up in there. Oh, yeah. You know? And, you know, like you're saying, you know, they really don't. It's not diverse in the Heisman. You no. know, you never have, like, a cornerback or, like, a safety. It's always no. either a quarterback or a running back. Yeah, I mean, I think the last, uh, I think they've had one person that won the Heisman for defense, and that was Rob Woodson back in, I mean, when he played at Michigan. And then um, some of the craziest ones, I mean, uh, I'm forgetting his name, the offensive lineman from uh, from Ohio State almost won one a few years ago. But nowadays, I mean, you look at the top three Heisman players, quarterback, 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 running back, quarterback, running back, quarterback, quarterback, quarterback. Yeah, I mean, it's yes. just, it's generic, it's basic, it's dull nowadays. They don't really look at, you know, oh, this dude's got three picks on the season and 57 deflected passes and 30 tackles. That's like the best in the, in the nation on all of those stats.
but he's not a quarterback or running back, so he can't be in the Heisman. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, Justin Fields is putting up good numbers. He's got the 70.3% completion rating, which is really good for a dual threat quarterback. I mean, oh, he's yeah. he's pure bad dual threat. Uh, he's got 657 yards and then nine touchdowns, zero interceptions. I mean, he's someone that you can kind of compare to Trevor Lawrence and be like, okay, you know, you two both should be playing this standard. And then when one drops off, you can be like, well, he's taking off, but you're not. Because, oh, yeah. I mean, they're at Ohio State Clemson. So, I mean, if, if Justin Fields continues to go with the form he's at, and I'm, I'm sure he has a lot of rushing yards right now uh, with his legs. I mean, it, it'll definitely put a spotlight on Trevor Lawrence as to why aren't you doing this. Yeah, and, you know, a lot of it is because he won the championship last year. So, he's like, all right, cool, I won a championship, so I'm just yeah. going to lay low this year. Yeah. But I mean, this is this is kind of his defining moment to show, you know, I'm year in, year out. I am the player. Yeah. And then someone that uh, I don't know if too many people expect to be up here this high oh, in this season. Joe I, Burrow. I think Joe Burrow is just shutting out every other quarterback on yeah. this list. I mean, I, I, I believe that he deserves to be up there. I just don't think that most people saw him up there at the beginning of the season. But I mean, he's got 80 point, 83 point three percent completion rating. I mean, he's got he's got the best completion rating on this Heisman watch. I mean, he's. He's picture perfect right now. Already at a thousand yards, one thousand one hundred twenty-two. I mean, that's yeah, crazy. And like we said, we're only three games into the yeah. season. So I mean, just for him to have that amount of yardage and his touchdown to interception ratio is not that bad, you know. But he he already has a lot of yards thrown, and like you said, he has the best com- um, completion rate on this list. So I mean, for yeah. him to be at number three, I think that's pretty reasonable. Yeah, I mean. I mean, he's got the 1,000 yards, but it's not – with the completion rating, it's showing that it's not just 50-yard bomb, 50-yard bomb, 50-yard oh, yeah. bomb. I mean, it, it's definitely like he's choosing the wide receivers right. He's choosing his audibles right. He's making the audibles. He's making his reads. And it's just – it's moving the team constantly throughout the game. It's not him trying to get those yards. It's trying to get to 1,000 yards. Because if he was doing that, he'd have like 73.3% completion rating. Oh, yeah. Or like – near the 60s yeah he's definitely looking for those smaller 10 10 yard 15 yard passes yeah. you know like you said not trying to throw 50 bombs you know and then his completion attempt ratio definitely shows that oh definitely and then i mean the top two they haven't really changed too much we still got two attack of Iloa, alabama quarterback you know him uh he's got 76.9 percent completion again he's just breaking that thousand yard mark at a thousand seven and 12 touchdowns to zero interceptions i mean he's got the best ratio on touchdowns and everything He's got the second most yards. I mean, he's a running quarterback, but he still has a thousand yards passing. Yeah, but know, I mean, the only thing I think that two Tagovailoa has over Joe Burrow is his touchdown interception ratio. Yeah, I mean, if if Joe Burrow was perfect right now, it'd be Joe Burrow is better. But I mean, if you look at it, like I'm saying, two Tagovailoa is at Alabama. All yeah. his wide receivers, all his linemen, and his running back, all four star, five star recruits. I mean, it's the best on the best of the fi- on the field. So he should be putting up these stats. Yeah. I mean, it's just kind of expected. I mean, it's almost an NFL team. Yeah. With the way they pick their talent against college football teams. Mm-hmm. And then lastly, at number one, we got Jalen Hurts, who's really, really putting on a show at Oklahoma. I, I oh, think, yeah. in all honesty, carrying the team right now. Oh yeah. I mean, he's got eighty point three percent completion rating, eight hundred eighty eight yards, and nine touchdowns, zero interceptions. I mean, I think the the eighty point three percent completion rating really surprises me um, right now because in Alabama he wasn't ever really that that accurate quarterback that threw oh, perfect yeah. passes here and there. It was always that quarterback that used his feet a lot and then also could throw the fifty yard bomb when the dude's wide open. Oh yeah, you know he's doing good things at Oklahoma. You know, yeah. like you said, carrying the team. Um, there's a lot of really good players at OU that are in the NFL now. So he's just trying to live up to its name, oh, trying yeah. to keep OU, you know, that's still top school uh, that everybody knows they are. So Yeah, and I mean, Oklahoma lost their entire offensive line except for one guy this season. And I mean, he's he's not getting rushed and throwing bad passes or else he'd have an interception. And also, is I mean, 80.3% completion. He's having time in the pocket. Oh, yeah. And he's getting creative with his feet. I mean, he's, he's, a, he's a player to watch. And I think... When when Oklahoma plays Texas, that's that'll be his coming out, his homecoming party. Oh yeah, the Red River rivalry. Yeah. That that'll definitely be a good game. Definitely. Um, I don't know who they. I don't think. I think they have a bye this week, or I don't know who they play. But they, uh, like we said, they play Texas Tech next week, and um, that'll be a good game to watch. So I think that'll be Jalen Hurts' first 
like actual test. Yeah, definitely. You definitely. know, just like we said, that tech defense is is pretty good. Like yeah, one of the best uh, since I would say that 07 season. Oh yeah. Um. Anyway, so that's your Heisman. Uh, we'll keep y'all updated next week. Um, See week if anything four. shakes up after yes. this weekend. You know, conference play, once this starts, that's when college football really gets exciting. Yeah, I mean, I think the most change to watch is going to be DeAndre Swift at Georgia, Chubba Hubbard, and Sam Ellinger. Those three guys I would definitely watch over the weekend. Definitely. You know, because, again, Georgia's playing a really good Notre game Dame against team, Notre yeah. Team. Yeah, Notre Dame, Chubba Hubbard, and Sam Ellinger both going against head each other. Head, yeah. So, Definitely watch those last three spots. You um, could definitely see some movement after this weekend. Oh, yeah, for sure. And um, I wouldn't as much watch the top three. I know. don't think that'll change for a little bit. Yeah, but, you know, maybe if Sam Hellinger does good this game, he'll knock Trevor Lawrence down. I mean, if Trevor Lawrence doesn't really step up his game this weekend and, th- you know, continues this one-to-one ratio on picks to interception and Sam Hellinger has a great game against Oklahoma State, I mean, it just would be injustice if you didn't switch the two. Yeah, you know, so anyways, just keep your eye out. Um, we're going to go ahead and get to the ranking, the AP poll for this week. Nothing too crazy changing. Number uh, one through nine all remain the same. Yeah, I mean, again, this weekend, yeah, once conference, conference play, play starts, that's when all this stuff will start mixing around. And you'll see teams at 12 just all of a sudden get knocked off the rankings, and you'll see teams yeah. shoot up into the rankings. I mean, that's when stuff gets exciting. So anyways, like Clemson is number one. Alabama's number two, Georgia's number three, LSU is number four, Oklahoma's number five, Ohio State is number six, uh, Notre Dame is at number seven, Auburn's at number eight, and number nine is Florida. Which I mean, Florida, uh, that's a oh, that's a question. They lost their quarterback. Uh, yeah. I think it's for the season. I'm not too sure. No, I, yeah, he's for the season. Okay, the season. I mean, so but putting in a, but the backup quarterback did rally a win. So it's kind of like this season's unknown yeah, right now. For I mean, Florida. if I'm gonna be honest, I don't think Florida should be number nine. I don't think they will. I mean, I don't think they'll stay that for long. I mean, Kentucky put up a really good game against them. Yeah. And the only reason I think Florida got the win is because Kentucky missed that field goal. Yeah. So, I mean, if it was me, I would have at least brought Florida down at least one or two spots. Yeah, because, I mean, uh, Kentucky was unranked at that time. Yeah, and they were. they hadn't uh, won back-to-back games against Florida at Florida. Or I'm pretty sure that I was at Florida in, like, years. So, I mean, it, I, I think we should have expected to see Florida do more. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think they're kind of giving the benefit of the doubt, saying, you know, they did lose their custodian quarterback and still got the win with a backup. So we're not going to move them just because a quarterback got injured. Yeah. But I um, think the most exciting thing right now is Utah. Oh, yeah. Utah, number 10. Number 10. That's exciting. They're in the top 10. They, I believe they're at like 15 at the start of the season. So they've definitely jumped up a lot yeah. just in three games, you know, and that's. That's going to be exciting to see. Um, like we said, we have Auburn against um, Texas A&M and Notre Dame against Georgia. So, depending on how those games go, we could very well see Utah make it higher than probably 10. Yeah, I mean, um, I don't know too much about the Utah team, but I just I just feel like it's an injustice to UCF. Oh, yeah. We'll talk about it a bit We'll later. talk about that, yeah. But, um, I mean, after that, we got Michigan dropping one. I mean, they just... They haven't really had a solid game yet. Every game they play is just closed down to the wire. Oh, I mean, yeah. Against an Army team going into overtime. I mean, it's just, it's not really going the way Michigan wanted to, and they don't have yeah. a solid path to success right now. Yeah. They're know. just kind of scraping by week to week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, like we said, once we get into conference play, maybe they'll start getting those tests. Yeah. And maybe they'll maybe try to prove themselves uh, to get higher, or they'll just, you know, it'll be their demise and they'll just fall yeah. down. And then uh, Texas still at number 12. Definitely a big game this weekend against Oklahoma State. I mean, they could drop a few rankings or jump up one or two, depending on how this game goes. Oh, yeah. And then Wisconsin, you know, Jonathan Taylor slowly bringing that team up there, number 13 now. So, I mean, if they keep rising in the rankings, you know, one, one time at a week, one ranking, then, I mean, they could definitely move up there. I don't think they're a playoff team right now, though, just based off their quarterback. Oh, yeah. And then Penn State, I mean, I, I I like it, but I just, for me, this is another topic for another day, but I just don't think they should be allowed just yet back into the AP rankings and bowl games. You know, and it's just whenever Saquon was there, Penn State really got that recognition, and they're like, all right, so yeah. Penn State's good, so we're going to put them up in the rankings. But now once your good players leave and you have new incoming freshmen and sophomores and all these transfers, 
and you keep Penn State in the rankings, you just kind of think, are we doing the right thing? Yeah. I mean, I, I watched, uh, I don't think it was last week, but the week before that I watched their, their game. And it's just kind of like, they never they don't always play like themselves. They don't always play like Penn State, how they're expected to play. They kind of, you know, just get off to a slow start and just kind of rumble along, roll along, and then all of a sudden it's like they click in mid-game, and then all of a sudden they're Penn State of what they were when they had Saquon, Saquon Barkley. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, they just they need to get their identity solidified and play like that game in, game out. They can't come out to games and not play like themselves the first two quarters, and then the third and fourth expect to make the comeback and get the win. Oh, yeah. And then number 15, we have, again, UCF. Moving up two Mo- spots. Yeah. So, the main thing about UCF is... They've been undefeated. They only lost their bowl game After losing year. their starting quarterback. Yeah, after losing their starter quarterback. So they've been undefeated for like the past two seasons, and they're only 15. Yeah, I mean, it's just, I feel like an injustice year in, year out. I mean, what this Utah team all of a sudden does good. I mean, they probably had a good season last year, but then come out this season and have a good one, and you're going to place them at 10. But for two straight years, UCF has proved to you that they need to be higher in the rankings, and you... Slap them in the face with fifteen. Oh yeah, and I, you know, and it's just like we said, you know, ESPN is biased. You know, yeah, they yeah. think, oh, this Utah team, let's just put them at ten. But you know, UCF has done a lot to prove themselves. Yeah, I, in I the believe, past couple of years, I believe UCF should be in the top ten right now. Oh yeah, same. You know, if, if I was honestly, I would replace UCF with Utah right now. Yeah, oh, without a doubt, hands down. I mean, it's just I feel like U- UCF is given a slap in the face week in week out because they perform, they put up the numbers they need to, but yet the AP poll people just slow. Oh, let's move them up one. Let's make them stay. I mean, it's not a tough opponent. Yeah. But it's like okay, but you put Utah at ten, moving up two, uh, moving up a spot each week. I mean, it's just you know, you and put it, them at fifteen at the beginning of the season. How come UCF wasn't fifteen at the beginning uh, of the oh, season? Oh yeah, and it's just like conferences. You know, Utah's I believe in the Mountain West Conference. And UCF is in the American Conference, but just because UCF hasn't played anybody, you know, doesn't mean you should have them at 15. And it's just like Utah. They haven't played anybody, and they're yeah, at I mean, 10. They're, they're both not in uh, Power 5 conferences. Oh, yeah. How come Utah's getting the benefit of the doubt right now? That's that's oh, yeah. my real question for the AP poll people is how come you're giving more credibility to an unproven Utah team oh, yeah. than a solidified UCF team? Yeah, and, um, you know, maybe UCF, I say two more games. And they'll be edging to 10. Oh, definitely. Definitely. I think they will be. Uh, Oregon moving down a spot. Uh, I didn't I didn't watch their game uh, too much over the weekend, to be honest. Uh, and then number 17, A&M, like we said, playing against number 8, Auburn. They yeah. really need to get their season back on track. I oh, mean, yeah. That, that loss to Clemson really derailed them. And if they don't get this win uh, this weekend, then... I mean, it'll look dire throughout the whole season. Oh, yeah. And then uh, number 18, Iowa. I mean, I, I don't think they should have moved up a spot, to be honest. I mean, that game against uh, Iowa State, uh, I didn't see the beginning, but I saw the end. And, I mean, I was Iowa's defense just kept them in there. I mean, they won yeah. the game because of Iowa State, two players running into each other on a punt. Oh, yeah. I, I saw mean, that. That, I, that was hilarious. I, was, I really thought I Iowa laughed. State would have had a chance. I was like, you know, they, they stopped their Iowa's offense. They're getting the ball back. And then the two players run into each other and give Iowa the ball back to just take a knee. And I was like, come on. Yeah, I watched that. I started laughing. It was pretty funny. I feel like Iowa kind of, you know, got lucky in that game a little bit. And I don't think they should have moved up because of that. Yeah, I think that was probably the weakest college game day I've ever seen. Yeah, I mean, eight was it 17-18 was the score. I mean, it was just, it wasn't a big, big blowout or anything. It wasn't a big scoring game. There weren't many yardage. Yeah. I mean, it was just slow. Yeah, it was just slow. Yeah, and I think it, part of it is just Iowa State's overhyped. Yeah, you I know? think Iowa State a year in year out's overhyped. To be honest, oh, yeah. I mean, but I mean, I, we'll talk about that maybe later. After that, we'll move to nineteen. Washington State moving up again, uh, up a ranking. I mean, they they beat who, who was their opponent last week? I believe it was Houston. Houston, yeah. I mean, they beat them. I don't think it was a a demanding win. It was, but it wasn't you know a close game. Yeah, it they, wasn't. they proved what they need to prove to be. Uh, move up a spot. They yeah. proved that they should be in the top 20 and that they, they need to be there. Yeah. And uh, I think definitely Washington State will maybe get past 15, just depending on how all these other rankings go throughout yeah. the season. Definitely. And then at, at 20, you know, Boise State, I mean, they're, they're a little bit in that boat with UCF, except, you know, they've, they've had some, some history of having good teams. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, they're just... 
even if they do good, I mean, it's it's a battle for them to get to the top ten. They could have an undefeated season and end up fifteenth. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's uh, kind of the way the, the UC, season's going. Yeah, right and now. I think that's a comparison to UCF. You know, like we said, yeah. UCF and Boise State are kind of like the same teams who have really good seasons. But let's put them at like 15 or 16. Yeah. And I, I think UCF is about to have, you know, the season that Boise did. I think back in 05 when they had uh, Kellen Moore uh, against Oklahoma, I think they're about to have that season where it's like, okay, you cannot deny us a top playoff spot or a good bowl game because yeah. of our record. And I, oh, think, yeah. I think they're going to start proving themselves and start, you know, having a voice and being like, why aren't we here? We, we've proved it to you year in, year out. Oh, yeah. So I feel like I feel like Boise State is kind of looking to UCF and just kind of you know they're kind of the younger brother. They're in the same boat. They feel the same way. The AP poll people feel the same way about them, but UCF doesn't have that history. Yeah, you know, and we'll just see how it goes throughout the yeah. season. And then you know, twenty one, we've got we've got Virginia moving up four spots. I mean. I didn't. I didn't watch the game with them, but obviously, I mean, it, it must have been a demanding performance oh, for yeah. somebody on the team to move up four whole spots when most people didn't even move a, a one spot. Oh, and or, I mean, and a lot of it is just the teams that were underneath uh, above them lost. So yeah. that's kind of another reason that Virginia just sprouted up to twenty one. Yeah, I mean, this this bottom half of the the rankings really is what makes it up week in week out. I mean, oh, yeah. after that. We have Washington moved up a spot. I mean, ever since they lost their quarterback and they've lost their wide receivers, they've just kind of, you know, stayed at the bottom dwelling of the rankings and don't really move up too much. Uh, I'd like to see them, you know, get back into the top 15 form. Oh, yeah. I just, I don't know if they have the talent anymore. And then 23 is going to be Cal. <laughs> After beating UNT, yeah. they go 3-0, and and now they went from non-ranked to number 23 moving up. Yeah, and if, if I'm going to say, I think, honestly, I, f I feel as if UNT would have beat SMU and Cal, I think that UNT would be at that 23 yeah, spot right now. That, that would have been that would have been a very a good cherry on top if we beat SMU and beat uh, Cal. But I mean, we can only wish. <laughs> we can only yeah. Wish. You know, now UNT is just trying to salvage a season. Salvage a season, <laughs> yeah. You know, um, coming back home this weekend. But Cal, I mean, three and zero team right now. I don't know what to look forward from them, but I I feel like they're only just going to get better. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it. 3-0, you know, they beat some opponents with demandable scores. I feel like the day people, people couldn't, you know, they couldn't help themselves. We go, okay, yeah. Yeah. You, you can squeeze in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then 24, I think, I honestly think Arizona State should be probably 22, if not 23. I mean, they beat a bigger team than Cal did. Oh, I mean, I they mean, beat Michigan State, knocked Michigan State out of the rankings entirely. And you're only going to put them in. 24 yeah i mean i think part of it is just cal won i believe 21 to 13 yeah but michigan state only lost by a field goal but i mean still i mean yeah. that was an unranked team against what weren't they 18th at the time I yeah believe, 18th, michigan yeah state? i have it right here yeah so i mean it was just it was i mean it was i mean they knocked a team out of the rankings entirely whereas cal just played an unranked team. Yeah, you know it's now one and three in the season. <laughs> yeah, or I know. one and two in well, the season. I know. You know, it's just it, you kind of question the AP poll people. Yeah, I mean, I, I think they don't give too too much care to the bottom. I'd say twenty teams. They just kind of toss them in there as they feel. Whichever one gets votes, so those be like okay, twenty, okay. twenty three, twenty two, <laughs> like this, blah blah. Okay, and then number twenty five is going to be TCU, and like we said, that's going to be something to watch because they yeah. have a good game this weekend against SMU. They really, I mean, I think they could really shoot up in the rankings if they beat oh, yeah. SMU. But if SMU you beat TCU, SMU could edge into the polls, to be honest. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. You know, that uh, that's definitely a, a yeah. rank that's probably going to change after this week. Yeah, you'll, you'll definitely have to watch out for TCU or SMU. One of them's going up or one of them's showing up. Okay, and then uh, the teams dropped from the rankings, like we said, uh, was Michigan State at 18, Maryland at 21. I don't know if you watched the game. They played Temple. It was actually a good game. I watched it. Um, I, I didn't watch the game, but I did see a stat. That Maryland for the past like six years or something, once they become ranked, yeah, they never win that game. Yeah, they never win the first game after they're ranked. Yeah, and it's just it it's heartbreaking because I mean the week before they beat a team, put fifty points up on them, oh, but yeah. then this week against a Temple team, that I mean all credit to Temple, I mean, but they're not a Power Five team, they're not a ranked team usually. You barely ever see them in the in the rankings. I mean. 
to I mean they they won they won the game in a good game but yeah and I just mean, expected more from Maryland to be honest yeah what was kind of annoying when I was watching is that Maryland's coach you know um, Temple's offense you know there was like ten seconds left Temple knees it at like the one and then they stop the clock at like one second but the coach is complaining like oh give us three more seconds give us four more seconds yeah. he's just trying to get time on the clock he just doesn't want he wants to avoid a loss and there's yeah. no way to do that you know you have to lose sometimes and you have to yeah. win sometimes yeah i mean hopefully you know maryland gets back on track after this and maybe can edge out another ranking and win that game and kind of solidify because i mean after that game that they blew out, i forget what team they blew out but and they put 50 on them but i mean to just maryland uh what's it? It was syracuse. syracuse syracuse they won yeah. 63 to 20 yeah i mean it's just i i feel like they have you know they have the potential to put oh, up yeah. points on people it's just that they found their identity consistently. You know, I mean, it looked like two different teams from the 60-point game to the Temple game. Even though, I mean, it was a good game, I, don't, I feel like they just didn't play at their caliber. Caliber. Oh, yeah, and then number 24, USC, was knocked out by BYU. That was a good game. That really was a good game. I have a, I have a friend that goes to BYU, and he recorded it. They were at like a... Obviously not a bar because it was BYU, but kind of at like this gathering area. Uh, and I mean, BYU went crazy after that win. It was oh, one of the yeah. biggest wins in a while. Yeah, it was it was great. You know, BYU taking field goal in overtime. So USC got the ball back. And I think, I don't know if it was the first player, like, I don't know when, but quarterback just threw an interception that was game. So, I mean, it sucks to just throw an interception yeah. and realize. I mean, heartbreaking that, loss yeah, for USC. You know, but I would say if you take a team to overtime, Especially when they're ranked, that you know, props because that's a oh, good yeah, game, definitely. And um, next, um, some teams receiving votes: uh, Kansas State, Oklahoma State, Army, you know, Michigan State, Memphis, Wake Forest, BYU, Temple, Iowa State, Mississippi State, Appalachian State, and Minnesota. And the four teams I have highlighted are going to be Oklahoma State, Army, Michigan State, and BYU. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I believe that uh, Michigan State. Could probably you know quickly edge back into the top twenty five. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Oklahoma State. I mean, if they win against Texas, definitely they'll be in the top twenty five. Oh yeah, you know that's like like we said in an army. Uh, you know they really don't have a strong schedule, but I wouldn't count them out. You know they're yeah, still I, a really good yeah, team. I could definitely see them edging into twenty five. You know, I mean they had a great game against Michigan, one oh, of the yeah. greatest games in probably this whole season so far. Oh yeah. I mean. I'd like to see him edge into 25, to be honest. Oh, yeah. And then uh, BYU, like we said, BYU, I think, is like upset central. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, you kind of can question why they're not in the rankings right now a little bit. Oh, yeah. They beat a a, a ranked team. Well, I mean, mean, it was 24 ranked. I mean, it's just like Arizona State. You know, Arizona State only beat Michigan State by a field goal. Yeah. And BYU, I mean, interception to end the game, you know. (sighs) Yeah, I mean, that must have been heartbreaking, especially for USC. I mean. I feel like if they get a win this season and, you know, some of the top 20, you know, bottom 20 teams, uh, you know, Cal dro- if Cal drops out this week, you know, and Oklahoma State loses and Michigan State loses again, I feel like BYU could yeah, push up into their Yeah, and that's just like BYU and Army. They could both push up into those rankings. Um, anyways, uh, we're going to bring a new section um, into the podcast this week about a certain topic um, – storming the media right now in, in sports and that's uh paying pay to play in college Definitely. so basically uh, what's going on right now is a state senator in brooklyn is aiming to make new york the first state to require colleges to pay student athletes directly um, um so what do you think about this topic um i mean i just i don't think they're going about it at the right way because if this if it's a state law then the NCAA, NCAA could just go. Okay, the whole every col- every college team in New York is ineligible, ineligible because we still have the rule that players can't get played. And also, I, I just I feel like they're going through the whole system like wrong. They want to you know have a base salary for these players, but I just I, I feel like that'll diminish. Like I've seen an interview with Team Tebow, it'll diminish the the pay like the players like you know destiny to go to that one team that they've always wanted to you know have pride in the school they play for oh, if yeah. they, if this passes and then it goes you know passes through the ncaa goes to every team then it, i mean it basically just becomes like a draft more or less you know who who pays the most i'll go there oh you know, yeah i mean these powerhouses will stay powerhouses forever because they have the money and they have the people around them they can just go oh he's the best quarterback in the country right now coming out of high school well, obviously, I'm going to pay him more than everybody else to come oh, to my yeah. team, and yeah. the player's going to go. Why wouldn't I go to Alabama? They're paying me the most. 
And yeah. then it's not really playing for Alabama. You're playing for this salary. I think, in my opinion, what they need to do, I do believe that um, players in college should get paid because, I mean, it's basically they're doing so good, putting their bodies on the line, oh, yeah. sometimes getting injured for the rest of their lives, and they're not getting a dime from it. But I believe that it should be player to likeness they're able to pay, like they're able to get revenue from. They're able to use their name and their publicity that they've created themselves through the games they play and be able to make money from that. I yeah. think, you know, they should get money from the jersey sales. And uh, what the what the um, amendment and the law says is that um, Kevin Parker talked to ESPN, and it says that um, it would give college athletes the ability to sell their rights to their own names, images, and likenesses. And that he also said that the college departments that they are attending would um, are required to uh, give a 15% share of annual revenue to the student-athletes. See, I, I, I fully agree with that first part, but... Being giving fifty percent of the revenue to the players, I mean, it's just that really becomes where can I make the most money? Who oh, gets yeah. on TV the most? Who's constantly in the top five? Honestly, if this if this passes, I think the college football is just going to turn into another NFL. Yeah, and I, I like I do agree that players should be able to make some money from their likeness, like I said. But I think this whole like salary, you know, at the end of the season, they get fifty percent of the revenue. I just think that diminishes almost everything that college football stands for. Yeah, and um, a statement from Parker um, saying that this, it would be divided. The revenue would be divided amongst um, all the students equally. And it says, um, quote, it's about equity. Um, these young people are adding their skill, talent, and labor to these universities. You don't need the shortcuts and the in-arounds because now we're providing some real support for these student-athletes, end quote. Yeah, I mean... Like, uh, I saw something that was like a rebuttal to Tom Bra- uh, to Tim Tebow's response to that was like, you know, a lot of these play- players come from a poverty, poor family in the, in the slums or the ghettos. Oh, yeah. I mean, they come from these rough neighborhoods and they should be able to, you know, give some money back to their families oh, that yeah. are in need. I just, I just really don't think that this base salary type thing will work out. It'll diminish so much. I do believe that, you know, these players that have, you know, needy families and government and uh, families that are on government and welfare. I think they should be able to make money from what they're doing because some of these players are superstars in the media, but when they go back home, their family's in a, a $20,000 house oh, yeah. driving a 1997 Corolla. Oh, yeah. you know. I mean, it's just I, I feel definitely for these players that they should be making some money for what they're doing and what they're contributing to college football. I just don't agree with this base salary type. You know, and we'll see what happens. Yeah, you know, I mean, throughout. it's definitely. I think it's the beginning of a lot. Oh yeah. I mean, this won't this won't be passed, and it won't go away for probably I'd say five years. Yeah. Because you know the NCAA, they're they're yeah, hard to budge. Yeah. yeah, and you know, I mean, another example. I I mean, I could relate to this. Not really necessarily about being getting paid salaries, like the NCAA football games for like consoles. Yeah. You know, they they stopped making them in about 2014, haven't made one since, you know, heartbroken. Oh, heartbroken. Uh, I played year in, year out, and you don't yeah. understand how happy I was when they had Ultimate Team. <laughs> and then the year after that, it got taken away, and I was like, my heart's been broken ever since. <laughs> yeah, you know, so, you know, maybe whenever the NCAA gives legal authorization to use these yeah. colleges and the UC athletes. I mean, one if they do pass this and, you know, players are able to make money from the likeness, there should be no reason that NCAA, you know, 2023 shouldn't be able to come out. I mean, they're able to yeah. make money off their likeness. Yeah. Give me that. Yeah. You know, a lot of it's just like, we want, we want NCAA. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's most of it's just consumer driven. I mean, <laughs> a lot of people in America are just still earning for that next college football game. I still, yeah. anytime I see a notification that's possible next NCAA game coming out, I'm like, <laughs> let me click that. Let me see that. Yeah. I mean, know. it was it was my heart and soul as a kid. Oh, yeah, same. You know, I used to always just, you know, get up, play with my cousin, and we put up 40 yeah. points each, and oh, it'd just yeah. be really competitive. You oh, know? yeah. I, I, I did, like, I'd have, like, six Road to Glory accounts, you yeah. know, all going to different colleges, and yeah. I'm like, okay, yeah, well, I, would, I can't pick Texas this time, but I really want to. Yeah, I would always choose, like, I would just walk on to some small school to try yeah. to get them ranked, you yeah. know? Yeah, yeah I'd, I'd either, like, walk into a small school, you know, boost them, try to win them a national championship. Yeah. Or at the end of it, I mean, Texas was kind of falling off. So, I mean, it was always like, can I go to Texas and, you know, bring Texas back? You know, kind of that Sam Ellinger type of way. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it, and it, it was it was so much fun to play. I played all night long, did not did not lose a single bit of, like, 
uh, anticipation for the game or anything. Oh, yeah. I was like, each game, I was like, why am I? Why wouldn't I keep playing? Yeah, it's so fun, you yeah. know. And just here recently, I started. I was playing it because my one of my friends had it, and he let me borrow it on Xbox 360. And oh my gosh. It was it was nostalgic. Oh. Yes, nostalgic. it was very yeah. nostalgic. I, I tried to buy one uh, about three months ago. Oh, I'm not. You <laughs> they know, are they are expensive. Yeah, and you know it's just like NCAA basketball. You know, t- 2010. That game on eBay sells for like a thousand. Like yeah. I mean, if you look, I really wish I had my NCAA 14 yeah. because I could make quick buck on it. But I don't think I would. I'd probably keep it and <laughs> yeah. you know, afford it to myself and be like, no, this is my precious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but anyways, we're going to move into the, uh, the NFL Week 2. Um, first first topic of the day, uh, Baker Mayfield leading the Browns to a 23-3 um, to three win over the Jets. Um he looked really good in that yeah. game. Yeah. I mean, it was definitely needed after that week one disappointing performance, you know, throwing three picks uh, in a, against a team that's not a tough, like crazy tough opponent. I think he really needed to boost his confidence with this game, albeit it was a completely de- depleted Jets team on their third string quarterback by halftime. Oh, yeah. I mean, but I mean, they he still took a demanding demanding win i mean that offense just i mean they they scored points on them the defense held them i think you know Le'Veon bell had more yards than the total offensive jets had because they had lost so many yards wow yeah you know it's just like obj for the for the brown you know same same person just a new team yeah so he's still doing what he needs to do to get his team up there yeah i mean there was a lot of trash talk towards obj uh this week and he really shut them up again yeah. i mean he had that he went he had the catch that almost looked exactly like his immaculate catch at the meadow field meadow fields again yeah except this time he wasn't facing backwards he just kind of caught it out of thin air <laughs> yeah so i mean i definitely would just keep watching the browns you yeah know? i i think they they're getting the, the road going now and they're getting the traction they need i feel like their confidence is really shooting up Oh yeah, and then uh, next we're gonna talk about um, the Patriots and how dominant they're looking right now. Yeah. And I've learned that they haven't looked as dominant since their 2007 season. You know, understandable. What, and what do you think? What do you think, Alex? I mean, about this I just all I can say is expected. I expect them to win the Super Bowl. I mean, I expect them to go all the way. They have the best quarterback ever, and they have the best quarterback, the best wide receiver in the NFL, arguably right now, the best route runner. And if you have the best route runner. Tom Brady knows how to throw the how to throw that pass and put it in a spot where he can catch it. I mean, it's just it's borderline unfair right now. It's borderline unfair. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we'll just see how the Patriots. Yeah, I do. mean, I know you're a Patriots fan. What's what's your take on it? I mean, I try to like stay away from media and stuff because yeah, you, just have, you just have all these haters who are just like yeah, oh, the moment man. you say you love the Patriots and you start you know, explaining why they're like oh just be quiet. I you mean, know, it's the Patriots. My thing. My thing, you know, I try to respect people like that, but my thing is just, you know, whenever the Patriots beat the Colts in the AFC Championship, I think it was like a couple of years ago, they they deflated the balls. Everybody knows yeah. this, you know, and every single time I talk about the Patriots, they're just like, well, they're cheaters. You yeah, know, that I mean, happened years ago. Happened get years, off of it. It happened years ago, and they couldn't really found out, like, couldn't really find out who did it. I mean, there's more of a chance that the, the locker room equipment people did that than yeah. there is that Bill Belichick and Tom Brady went into a secret dark room and went, let's deflate these balls so we have an advantage. Let's yeah. go talk to the equipment managers. I mean, it was more of a probability that the equipment managers did that than it is that the starting quarterback and the, yeah. the, the head coach that doesn't ever have an emotion did that. I mean, yeah. Belichick has the straightest face, does not care, except for the game itself. You think he's going to a back room to think about how to get an advantage? I mean, it is like, the, you know, way back then they did steal some playbooks and kind of spy. But, I mean, honestly, what well, teams don't do that. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. this whole Deflategate thing was blown out of proportion just because they were the Patriots. Yeah, and, you know, my thing is that, you know, whenever people tell me that, I'm just like, well, I'm sorry that we have, like, the greatest quarterback ever. Yeah, I mean, you that's know? undeniable. Yeah. I mean, the only person closest to that status, in the even into the discussion with Tom Brady, is Joe Montana. Oh, yeah. I mean, those are the two people you could toss up. But, I mean, I think Tom Brady, I mean, he's got the pedigree. He's got oh, the yeah. stats. He's got... I mean, everyone's going to hate it, but he's got the rings. Oh, yeah. And then uh, next, uh, Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. You know, like we said uh, um, last episode, uh, people don't respect Lamar Jackson. Oh, he is proving them wrong. Came in and game out. I mean, I saw one pass to Hollywood Brown to, like, get the the game-winning touchdown almost. 
I mean, it was a it was an outside outside the shoulder on the sideline, and he literally just dropped perfectly in him. I mean, he had the he had the cornerback right on his back, and Lamar Jackson was still able to float it over uh, Hollywood Brown and the defender and just put it perfectly in the corner to where he could catch it. Oh yeah, you know, and I think Lamar Jackson look, is looking really good right now in the yeah. NFL. I mean, more people. He's he's proven everyone wrong, and nowadays more people are talking about his throwing. Like, what? Look at the pass he made this week. Look at the pass he made this week, and they're not talking about his runs or anything. Oh yeah. So um, we'll just 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 watch the rookies because you know they're doing good things. Definitely. And then um, our last topic of the day in the NFL is going to be about: Are we seeing the rebirth of rookie Dak and rookie Zeke? I, I definitely see it. I I hope you know it's it's kind of not. I hope they're you know going to do better. Than their rookie selves, they've learned a bit, you know, progressed a bit. But I think they're back at that form that they were. Oh yeah, uh, that year. I mean, Dak is throwing perfect passes. He's still having trouble with his his in routes and slants. He's still having a bit of trouble with that. But I mean, his deep balls are just perfect, hitting players completely straight on stride. They don't lose a step after he throws it. He's looking like everyone wanted him to be. And yeah. then Zeke, I mean. He's he's two weeks returned from Cabo. He held out all all preseason. Didn't go to a practice. He was in Cabo, just living his life up. Gets back like a, a I think like few days before their game. Signs a contract, and I mean he's still you know he's probably out of condition, and you know not ready for football, but he's still you know doing Zeke things. You know oh, running yeah. people over, yeah. getting five yards every single time he runs. Falling over for another three yards after he gets tackled. I mean, he's he's doing Zeke things. He's not looking like the, the lethargic Zeke that he was last year after he returned from the suspensions. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think last year after he returned from those suspensions, he never really was himself. He just kind of shut down, I think, to be honest. Yeah, and, you know, I I'm looking forward to this season with the Cowboys. Definitely. I think it could be one of the greatest we've had in a while. Oh, yeah. and um, I'm just hoping we don't lose the Packers again in the playoffs because <laughs> I don't think I could take that for the third time. <laughs> and that'd be pretty funny. You know, but, again, I mean, the, the, irony, the irony about that is if that happens, like, Randall Cobb is with the yeah. Cowboys now. Yeah. So if it happens again, he's like, well. He's, that's, I don't know. I will take it. Well, darn. I feel like, good game, A-Rod. Good game. <laughs> He'd be like, maybe I'll have to sign with y'all again. Or next he'll just year. be like, I know how it feels. <laughs> yeah, he's just gonna walk up. And he's like, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> you know. But anyways, um, thank you guys for listening. Um, look forward to next episode next week. Um, don't forget to follow us on our, all of our socials. And um, I guess we'll uh, we'll catch you next time. Okay, I definitely feel like uh, it'll start picking up these episodes. A lot more dramatic stuff happening in college football. Oh yeah! As so the week stay progress. tuned. Stay tuned for that as we progress. Because if you want to talk sports, we'll talk sports.